It's my privilege to introduce to you a friend, an old friend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jarrett was here years ago. I'm going to tell a little story about that in a minute. But he's going to bring the word today. Uh, Jarrett is a major in the Air Force, working in the medical field up at Anderson Air Force Base. He also has a Master's of Divinity from Liberty University. Um, but more than that, uh, when Jarrett was stationed here before, he was one of the leaders in our church. And he met one of the other single leaders in our church. Her name was Liz. And when I saw that relationship starting and I knew that he was in the military, I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to lose a pillar in the church. And we missed Liz the whole time that she's yes. gone. And, um, but Jarrett redeemed himself. And, and they came back. <laughs> so you're good, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm excited for the word that Jared is going to share. And I just want to pray for him. Father, thank you for Jared. Thank you for who he is. We bless him. Lord, we bless what you've deposited in him. And we ask that you would use him and use your word by your spirit to accomplish your purpose. And so, God, we all listen to him, but also with an ear to you and an eye to you to sense what it is that you're saying to us. And so, God, today, have your way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Well, welcome. Welcome. If you're a visitor, welcome. Uh, they allowed me the privilege to give the word, and my name is Jarrett Gallardo. I hail from Anchorage, Alaska, for those of you guys that don't know. It's very, very cold in Anchorage, very cold. It's not like Guam. And Liz and I have been back for just over six months now. Like Pastor Mark said, I met Liz here. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. And then we were able to move to San Antonio. But about six months ago, we've been back. And I have the amazing privilege to talk about Noah this morning. So we're going to be in Hebrews 11.7, and then we're going to use... Uh, Genesis 6 is kind of a backdrop. We're going to pull some nuggets of truth from that. And uh, I know we've prayed a lot. I just ask you guys, let's go to him in prayer one more time. I'm going to make this simple. God, may you increase. May I decrease and get out of the way. And God, would you ready our hearts to receive your message, Lord? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen guys. So what's the point, right? What is the point in... We're on week three of great faith, and we're looking at all these ancient people who lived super long years, like Enoch, and we're looking at Moses, and Abraham, and Sarah, and Noah. What's the point? The point is that through culture, through language barriers, that the character of God has remained the same, the timeless character of God, and how these individuals responded to God's character, that's what we're trying to glean from here as we look at these great heroes of faith. And so I'm going to be speaking about Noah this morning. We're primarily going to be again in Hebrews 11:7. I've titled this message Actionable Faith. If you're taking notes, Actionable Faith. Not that by our actions is where we earn salvation, but we're going to see that by faith Noah did. And by faith that Noah placed in God, he put action behind his faith. And so we're going to look at, at those truths from Hebrews 11.7. So if you open your phones or get your Bibles ready, it's also going to be on the screen. Let's look at Hebrews 11.7. Hebrews 11.7, it says, By faith, 
after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, he built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I don't know if you can see a trend there, but three times we've seen by faith already. And if you could turn to the first book in the Bible, Genesis, it'll also be on the screen, uh, Genesis 6, 5 to 22, just to give us a little bit of backdrop. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, this first book. Amen? All right, Genesis 6, 5 to 22. Here it goes, let's go. When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, I will wipe off from the face of the earth mankind whom I created together with the animals, creatures that crawl and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah, however, found favor in the sight of the Lord. Verse 9. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God, and Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. And then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness. Because of them, therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it with pitch inside and out, and this is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark within 18 inches of the roof. You're to put a door in the side of the ark, make it with lower middle and upper decks, verse 17, understand that I am bringing a flood, flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of every living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of everything, from the birds according to their kinds, from the livestock according to their kinds, and from the animals that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. They will come to you so that you can keep them alive. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten and gather it as food for you and for them. 22. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. Amen. All right, we're going to extract four nuggets of truth using Genesis 6 as the background. We're going to be primarily looking at Hebrews 11.7. So you're going to see Hebrews 11.7 flash on the screen and then the part uh, that we're going to pick out of that. So point number one is actionable faith prompts response. Actionable faith prompts response. We look at that first section of Hebrews 11.7 and it says, by faith Noah. By faith Noah, we know that he built an ark. And by faith, can everybody say those words? By faith. Again, we see that in this passage, by faith happens three times. And his faith, it was the bedrock for his action. It was what he, he, he had his faith in God, and then because of that, that sprung him into action to what we saw in verse 22, that Noah did everything that God had commanded him. So let's look at Genesis 6.13. What, what did God say? He said, hey, Noah, I've decided to put an end to every creature. 
and then we look, and then he gives him a warning, and he gives him command, and then we see in Genesis 22, that we, what we just read, Noah did this. He did everything that God had command, commanded him. So imagine with me that we're Noah. We're miles from any body of water. In fact, it's probably speculated that there were no lakes. There wasn't even rain, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but God is introducing a foreign concept to Noah that's saying, hey, by water, I'm going to destroy the earth, and I need you to do something for me. I need you to build a giant rectangular box, and I need you to get animals, and I need you to get food and bring your family, proclaim my word and my truth, and get inside of that box. Those were Noah's instructions in a nutshell. And from the time that Noah received that warning, from the time that that God brought that first drop of rain was 120 years. So the Bible doesn't say how long Noah actually built the ark, or, but we can probably speculate that as soon as God dropped that on him, that he probably went to the drawing board and was like, okay, he wants me to build this ark this long, this many way, and get animals. So he probably went to work right away. But again, it was 120 years before the floodwaters actually came. And what we learn is that it was Noah's faith that enabled him to accept God's warning as fact. It was Noah's faith that it enabled Noah to, to, to look at God's warning and accept that as fact. He didn't know about an impending flood or floodwaters, but he was able to see that was by his faith God's warning was fact. And he built the ark exactly to God's design. He didn't go out of his way and try to try to manipulate the ark or manipulate the blueprints, he listened to what God told him. And we see that in Genesis 2, 6, floodwaters came out, I'm not sorry, floodwaters, water came out of the ground, and that's actually how the earth was watered. That's how plants and vegetation got their water, was a, a covering on the earth that came up from the ground in Genesis 2, 6. We didn't get seasons like, summer, spring, and fall like that until later after the flood in Genesis 8, 22. So that's after the flood is when we even get seasons and rains and monsoons and things like that. But before that, everything was probably not like Guam, but probably a lot more temperate, and water came up from the ground and watered everything like that. And then there's a picture of, of the ark that we have here. This is a, an illustration of what it looks like. It is longer than an American football field, and it was how many feet high? 40, 75, and 45 feet wide and high, and he was right in the middle of the wilderness. Again, probably no bodies of water at this time, but that's, that's what it looked like. And those 18 inches from the top when, when Noah, or when God gave Noah those instructions, that was most likely for ventilation. I mean, you can imagine all the animals pooping in the ark, and the, the smell was probably pretty nuts. But, but anyways, look at that picture. You know what I'm saying? Do you see a rudder? Do you see a sail? Did God tell Noah to make uh, stick holes on the side for paddles? No, he just said, you're going to build a box, and you're going to get in the box. And what was amazing, even just looking at that, is there was no direction that this ark was going to go. It wasn't like a cruise ship where you knew your final destination. Noah built this box not knowing he had faith in God. God said, build it, build a rectangle thing and get inside of it for safety. And so Noah said, okay. So that's what it looked like. Um, <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon wrote this about Noah. You must take 
distinct note that at the back of everything was his faith in God. His faith begat his fear. His faith and his fear produced obedience. That nothing in Noah is held up before us as an example, but that which grew out of his faith. To begin with, we must look well to our faith. And so I'm asking you, church, do you have faith? Do you have faith when a circumstance is in your life and floodwaters are rising in your life to obey God and put your faith in God to get you out of the circumstance? Do we have faith? Or like Chris talked about last week, if our faith is built on sand, what does sand do when the waves come? You ever build a sand castle? It just immediately washes away. We need to place our faith in God. That's why we're in this series, Great Faith. And it's so amazing that we're starting the year 2019 looking at great faith. So I want to recall a story of faith. Um, it was, I'm going to rewind time in 2011 when I first came here. But before 2011, before I came here, I just got out of a horrible relationship uh, in 2010. In fact, I mean, I'm talking about I thought this woman was going to be the woman that I was going to spend the rest of my years with and grow old with, and by, from circumstances, that didn't happen. And that, that tore me apart, yo. I mean, I'm talking about snot bubbles every night. I was an emotional wreck. I was spiritually, I was like, God, help me out. And then the military's like, hey, you need to leave. You need to go somewhere, or you need to get out. And so I was like, okay, that means it's time to PCS. So... <laughs> I was like, all right, went to the drawing board, talked to the, to the leaders, and then there were a few positions that became available, but I'm thinking, like, do I get out of the military? Do I go to, the, California was an option, Guam was an option. I really had no clue, but I knew the bedrock of my faith needed to be Christ. And so Guam became available. I said, hey, boss, can I accept that position in Guam? I came to Guam in 2011, brokenhearted, man brokenhearted, and God broke me some more. He, he wanted me to the point where all that I needed was him. I didn't need on my own strength, by my own merit, my parents, family members couldn't help me, my cousins. It was him that he wanted me to draw my strength from. And so brokenhearted, snot bubbles every night, God led me to people who were going to love on me, people who were going to call me things like, hey, champ, people who are going to live life with me, people who are going to be like, hey, you're jacked up, I'm jacked up too, look. And we all lived life together. And that family was you guys. God led me here to Life in the Sun in 2011 and surrounded me with an amazing group of people who would build me up and edify me and encourage me and give me spiritual foundation. And I was like, God, I can do this now. I can do this. And so... That's where we need to be, that when the floodwaters rise, when we don't know, when we're just like, God, I got snot bubbles every night, I'm a mess, the bedrock of our actions forward, going forward, needs to be faith in God. Amen? And sometimes we try to think, like, is this, I know I'm a planner, and I try not to be an over-planner, right? Like, to make a contingency plan for the contingency plan, or a plan A, B, C, D, and E, like, God... I'm trusting in you, and I'm trusting in you alone. You're sovereign. I'm not. Here I am. And that's the attitude in this series where we need to be. God, here I am. Use me, take me, direct me. Amen? Point number two, actionable faith reveres God. Actionable faith reveres God. 
looking at that next part, and after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear. Noah revered God. Noah honored God. Noah put God in a position where God was number one in his life. It wasn't his wife. It wasn't his children. It wasn't his occupation. But Noah was motivated by godly fear. And what do we, what do we see from that? We see that actionable faith, it, it, it reveres God and it puts God in a position where he is number one in our lives. And so if we look at Genesis 6, 8, and 9, we see that that these are the family records of Noah, that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries, and that last part, Noah walked with God. And last week, Chris spoke about the life of Enoch, and that same Hebrew word, walked with God, is halak. That was used in Genesis 5.22 to describe Enoch's life, that Enoch walked with God. And then we see the Old Testament writer using it here again, that Noah halaked or walked with God. So what does that mean? It means that he revered and honored God, and he put God in a position where God was number one in his life, and every day he traveled with God, making God the priority in his life. And as we're looking at the scripture, guys, that's where we need to be, where, where no matter what, like not our occupation, not trying to chase a corporate ladder, not even bringing our spouse up on this pedestal, but up on this pedestal needs to be God first and foremost. Not our children. Man, I love my children, Kayla and Kavika, but... My children cannot come as the number one priority before God. My wife cannot come as the number one priority before God. And if you're hearing that for the first time, guys, like, let this message be a, a, a compass to where we're looking at where we're at. And, and if God, if we're not honoring God and we don't have that godly fear, so where we're revering him as number one, holy, majestic God of our life as number one place, then let's, let's just re, 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 adjust and refire where we're at. Looking again also what Roman, uh, Armin introduced in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? I mean, that just means getting the word of God inside of us. If we're like, man, I don't know how to build our faith. Start with a podcast. Start with opening your Bible. Start with a devotion. Start with a prayer. Start with uh, a verse of the day that pops up on your phone. Anything. Get the word of God in you and let the word build up your faith. And when we're looking at this story about Noah, one of the guys on Thursday talked about how Noah was amazing, how Noah was an outlier, how he was an anomaly. And yes, man, Noah was the man. But, but was Noah sinless? No. Noah wasn't sinless. What does the Bible call Noah? The Bible calls Noah upright. The Bible calls Noah um, that he walked with God, that he revered God. But what do we see? We see that Noah was motivated by godly fear. And faith in God can enable us to be different from the world around us as well. And I'm going to tell you a story about godly fear. This is probably on the way opposite side of where we need to be, but this is a story. It's kind of funny. I think a few people have heard it. Um, it's a story where I was motivated by godly fear in an instant. And just a little bit about myself, uh, I dedicated my life to Jesus as a junior in high school. I had grown up in the church. Church almost became a religious activity where I knew I was going to see my cousins. Oh, what's up, cuz? How are you? And then I would see them in church. We would be in Sunday school. But that's all it was. I knew after we would go to a buffet, I would probably sneak some fried chickens in my mom's purse. That's a true story. But what is all the thing? I knew that 
it was just going through the motions. Even though I grew up in, in a Christian home, I was riding on the faith, the coattails of my mom's faith, and I needed to have my own faith in Christ. And so as a junior in high school, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. We were at a summer camp. It was called Camp Glory, and I'm so grateful for that because at a campfire, it's like so cliche, right? I was at a youth camp, and I heard somebody present the gospel, but it's true, man. I heard somebody present the gospel that I was jacked up and that I was in need of a Savior, and I didn't know that. Junior in high school, I'm like, I need to get to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Put my faith in Christ, and I'm starting my faith walk, right? Starting my faith walk. And one summer, I'm getting back to my story now about godly fear. Godly fear, man. Me and my cousin Ikaika, we were in Anchorage, Alaska. We grew up in a city called Mountain View. Well, he didn't, but I did. And Mountain View was pretty hood. I mean, there was gangsters, prostitutes, crackheads. I saw gang fights, people pulled guns on each other in the streets. It was normal. And so one summer more, uh, it was afternoon. It was like 2 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I had no clue what. We were outside. We look up at the sky, and the clouds, it was like, it was like they were evenly split down the middle. And we're like, man, look at those clouds. And then, like a majestic Guam sunset. I don't know if the sky was like pink or purple. It was a weird color that wasn't normal for Anchorage. And then we were like, look at those clouds and look at the sky. And there wasn't crackheads and prostitutes and people. There was no foot traffic. It was eerily quiet. Ikaika and I turned to each other, and he was like, bro, I think we just missed the rapture. <laughs> and then I was like, what? And then he was like, we just missed the rapture. And I was like, no. And then I'm calling every safe person I know on my cell phone, like, boop, 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 hey. Nobody's, he's calling people, nobody's picking up their phone. And I'm like, man, I think you're right, man. I'm, we're like, man, God, we're about to be beheaded. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, what's... I don't know what's happening. We're, we call Pastor uh, Manuel. He's the youth pastor. He's not answering his phone. I don't know how we got to his house. He just lived like three blocks away. So we either ride our bikes or we drove the car. We get to his house. We're banging on the door. Boom, 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 boom. He's not answering his door. So we're like, oh, my goodness. We're like, do we pray? Like, man, what do we do? Like, in this moment, like, we should have went. We should have left. And it was like, man, the fear of God was real. And it was like, what? So we're still pounding, still calling people. He comes out like an afternoon, half-dressed, half-awaked, like, what are you boys doing? And we're like, you're still here? <laughs> and then he was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the rapture. Did, did the rapture just happen? And he was like, no, man. The man. And he invited us inside. And, and I tell that story because like, that's on like the way, way end of, of of revering God and, and, and being motivated by godly fear. It's, it's, it's okay to have that in the back of our minds, but, but the point of Noah being motivated by godly fear is that he revered God in a place where God was number one. And I'm praying that, that when we do leave, that it's not like, oh, man, where am I? But that we can reflect on that story and we can see that, that, um, that godly fear, man, it's real. And, and we just need to be in a place where we are putting God and revering him as number one. That was actionable faith reveres God. Point number three, actionable faith considers others. Look at the middle part of Hebrews eleven seven. It says that Noah built an ark to deliver his family, and by faith he condemned the world. We're going to look at that. Point three, actionable faith considers others. Actionable faith is not merely fire insurance. Your faith in Christ is not fire insurance. 
What do I mean by that? It's not, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm not going to hell, that's my fire insurance. But actionable faith considers others. It considers the unsaved person. And I guarantee you, Noah in his day considered the unsaved person. Amen? When we look, <clears throat> when we look at that, that, that actionable faith is not merely fire insurance. It should stir others to want to know the hope for the reason that we have. Like, why are you so happy? What about it? What about your life is different? And it's a point back to Jesus Christ. Like, man, I know. Can I share this with you? It's, it's because of Jesus. And then you go to the next person. You want to know why I'm like this? I'm like this because of Jesus. Hey, cousin, you want to know why I'm not like this anymore? It's because of Jesus. And then it begins, like, to stir at each other. Man, what's the reason for the hope that you believe in? And then we can automatically go, man, it's Jesus Christ because he changed my life. In the Gospel of, uh, of Matthew 24, we see that Jesus warns us to be ready for his imminent return, to be ready for his imminent return. Because in, in Noah's day, people were going on business as usual. They didn't care what was, was happening. They didn't care about a giant box in the middle of the wilderness. They were going to whatever, do whatever their, their hearts desired. Because it, the Bible talks about that, that every thought and intent of their heart was continually wicked. We see Noah going out of his way to be a herald of righteousness. In fact, 2 Peter 2.5 describes Noah as a what? As a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness. And that word preacher, it's not the same word for pastor, but that word preacher in the Greek is kerux. And that means to herald, to proclaim, to cry out. So Noah cried out. He was a heralder of righteousness. And how? Because he continually talked about the faith of the hope in God that he had. He continually talked about that. For 120 years, probably as he's building this big rectangular box, he was crying out to the lost world. He didn't stop. We see 2 Peter 2.5 saying that. And so are we being heralds of righteousness in our own circle of, of, of influence, on our jobs, in our families, with our children, with, with whoever, your neighbor that you haven't even met yet? Are we being a herald or a proclaimer of righteousness? And do people know us as someone who is proclaiming righteousness? And I'm going to show a picture up here. This is a picture of uh, Chris's car. See that BMW right there? What's happening? What's happening right here is this guy is warning somebody of oncoming traffic. Hey, there's a speed trap up ahead. That's like an unre I don't know if people do that in Guam, but in Alaska, man, we did that all the time, like flash your lights. And um, you ever warn somebody of something, like a slippery floor, hey, don't walk there, or hey, don't go into that room, I just, you know... You know, don't go into that room. Let it air out a little bit. Have you ever warned somebody of something? You know, it's so easy, like, hey, be careful. Hey, watch out. The floor is slippery. Or, hey, let me flash my lights. The up ahead, there's somebody who's enforcing the law. And so what's the point of that? The point of this picture of Chris's car is to see that, that up ahead, there is somebody who is going to uphold the law. And our job is to be heralds of righteousness and say, hey, consider your, consider your speed, bro. Consider, consider your actions. Do it in a loving way. Like, hey, man, consider yourself. Like, 
Jesus is up ahead to uphold the law, and one day he is going to give an account for the law, and this is the, this is the, this is the standard that he is holding us to. Would we accept him as Lord and Savior, yes or no, that's, that's it? And, and, but if we're like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I want to do. I don't care about, about your Jesus, and I don't care about that. Do not let others' mockings influence your, face, your faith walk. You're going to be ridiculed, right? You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be like, man, how come you don't come and party with us anymore? How come you don't do these things anymore? I know your past life. You used to do X, Y, and Z. Why don't you do that anymore? Allow this picture and Noah's picture of a warning that as we're, as, as we're putting the law and being a preacher of righteousness, this is what we're doing. We're, we're saying, hey, consider the law of God. And in Noah's day again, Genesis 6, 5 says that, that uh, every scheme of their mind, of their thought was nothing but evil all the time. So Noah's day, the people in Noah's day was probably a whole lot worse than, than our day. But that means that we have faith. I mean, not, not faith, but that means that we have hope for our generation that at least we could say that maybe not every person whose thoughts were evil all the time right now. I know people, people say like, oh, we're, we're just like Noah's day. We're getting there. But the point is that in Noah's day, man, every thought of every person was evil all the time. And right now, there's corruption and, and there's evil and we see that. But we can still, we still have time to be a herald of God's truth. Amen? Um, Jesus, what did Jesus say about this? Jesus said that his suddenness would be quick. Right? His suddenness would be quick. That someone would be in the field and then someone would be snatched out. That someone would be working in the mill and that one would be snatched out. That one would be home and that one would be snatched out. And so when we look at this and we see that actionable faith should consider others, no matter what, your unsaved neighbor, your unsaved cousin, because there's coming a moment when Christ's imminent and soon return is going to come and we're going to be snatched out of here in the blink, in the twinkling of an eye and it's going to be so quick that we're not, those unsaved individuals are not going to have time to say, God, I'm sorry, and have, you know, godly reverence at that time. It's going to be too late. And so uh, what we, what we learned from Noah's message is that as he's building this boat and as he's in the wilderness, he took time to be a heralder of God's message. Amen? And we need to be doing the same. Point number four, actionable faith. This is, my, this is awesome, man. Offers grace and inheritance. Offers grace and inheritance. Look at Hebrews 11.7 with me. Hebrews 11.7, the last part, says that Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes, here's that word again, by faith. He became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And so this is so awesome because this is the grace through faith message right here. We see that we're freely given salvation, not by our works, but in the finished work of God. And Noah was able to be an heir of that inheritance of eternal life because by faith. Do we see that? By faith. Look at that verse in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. We're going to look at a couple things there. Genesis 6, 7, God said, Noah, I'm going to wipe everything off the face of the earth. Everything with breath of life in it will be gone in a moment. The birds of the sky, everything. But what does God follow up with that in verse 8? But Noah 
found favor in the sight of the Lord. Your Bible might translate that verse as grace. But Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And I, I like how that God gives a warning of, of impending judgment. But then what does he immediately follow up that warning with? Grace. In verse 7, he gives a stark warning that, hey, I'm about to destroy the entire earth, right? But he follows it up with grace. Noah found favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I love that God affords grace. Man, God is so gracious. And when we look at Romans 117b, what does it say about the righteous? That the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And Noah was entitled to that justification, not because he was perfect. We, we, we established that, not because he was perfect. But why? Because he walked with God and because he chose to place his faith in God. That was it, by faith. That's how Noah became an heir and an inheritance of righteousness. Noah wasn't perfect. We see that after the account flood in Genesis 9, what happened to Noah? Man, poor Noah, I don't know if he was just super stressed out, but poor Noah was found naked and drunk outside of his tent. Ham saw him and told the two brothers, and then the two brothers had to get dad, put him back inside the tent, cover him up. But he was found drunk and naked. So was Noah sinless? Was he a perfect person? No. But what did he do that we glean from that? That he walked with God, that he had godly fear, that he revered God and placed God as number one in his life, but most importantly, that he placed its, his faith in God. And so, can you see how actionable faith offers grace and inheritance for us? That when we choose to place our faith in Jesus, that that's where we get that inheritance from. Answers in Genesis, the, the website, um, that, that ministry, Answers in Genesis, it lists various rationales for a pre-flood population somewhere between 750 million and 4 billion people. 750 million and 4 billion people, somewhere between there, gone from floodwaters. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up because that should motivate us that the message of grace is attainable to all. And we are to be heralders of that message to a hurting, a lost and dying world so that 4 billion people, again, don't go without the grace of Jesus Christ. And for us, what do we know about the ark? For us, it's revealed that that ark is a type of Jesus Christ. That ark is a type of Christ, that all who take refuge in the ark will find safety. I know that God was talking to us last week about finding safety, that he's a strong tower. But again, we look that the ark is a type of Christ, that when we put our faith in God, we find safety, we find rest, and God does the rest. What else do we see about the ark? That there was only one, one door. We read that in Genesis 6, that there was only one door. What do we know about the Bible? The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So again, there's only one door. A lot of people say, man, that's so exclusive. But look at it. No, back up. God is making a way for anybody, Jew, Greek, Gentile, big, fat, skinny, old, young, one way entered, 
And he's making a way for everybody. It doesn't matter what race, what creed you're from, what ethnic background you are. God made a way for everybody. So he's not inclusive. Yes, there is one way. But God is making a way for all to put our faith in him. I'm wrapping this message up. So in conclusion, worship team, you can come up. Um, I'm going to share a story about my wife, Liz, and how she was ridiculed for her faith. And uh, you guys are going to see a very similar relation to Noah. Liz's story goes like this. Liz had been searching, and if you don't know her testimony, man, man, talk to Liz and she'll share it. But this is just a brief synopsis of it. Liz had been searching and searching for who God was, for answers for her life, and searching and searching. Finally, one of her friends said, Liz, I know what your problem is. You need Jesus. And then Liz's response was like, okay. There wasn't some huge intellectual battle. There wasn't some debate about, tell me the God you believe in and five reasons why I should believe in him. It was just, okay. Why? Because somebody, her friend, had the courage, had the boldness to say, Liz, I know what you need. Liz, you need Jesus. What was her response? Her friend was probably like, oh my goodness, like, I'm, I'm going to be ready for like a, I don't know what to say. She's probably going to ask me all these questions and I don't know anything about the Bible. Liz's response was, okay. And then her friend led her to the Lord. She got saved. Just like myself, Liz was plugged into life in the sun, surrounded by women who were going to encourage her, edify her, grow her, and build her up to the woman that she is. In that process, it was not pretty. Liz's family, they were like, I don't know what you're doing, but you're going to a cult. That's wrong. I don't know why you're going there. They just want your money, part of the family was saying. I don't know what you're doing, but you're making a big mistake. You're going to this cult church, and you need to stop. This is coming from her parents, guys. This is coming from her family member. And I don't know if you guys have experienced the same thing when you put your faith in Christ, that you've received that ridicule from your family, but Liz did. But her steadfastness, she she stayed with women who are going to edify her and build her up and encourage her and be like, hey, champ, hey, champ, you got this. She, She kept coming and kept coming and putting her faith in God to eventually... Her dad got saved, and her dad got saved, and it just trickled down from there, guys. Her mom got saved, and her siblings, and, you know, there's people in her family that got saved, all because of faith of a woman who was going to be steadfast and not waver. When the floodwaters were rising in her life, when ridicule was happening in her life, and they were like, you're going to a cult. They just want your money. She was steadfast in her faith. And her dad, this is, this is the awesome part, man. Her dad is a bivocational pastor. What does that mean? He's a part-time pastor that he works part-time on Anderson Air Force Base as a construction worker. And then part-time, he's a pastor in the Chukis community. And if you guys know anything about the Chukis community, they have gatherings for everything. I mean, and at those gatherings, there's probably going to be four or five speakers. What's the point? The point is, that Liz's dad, my father-in-law, John Hartman, is able to present the gospel message at those gatherings over and over, at a funeral, at a wedding, at a birthday party, for uh, uh, November, what happens in November? Thanksgiving. 
for all of these things, man, John is, is heralding. He is a proclaimer of the truth for the reason that God changed his life. But what did it start with? It started with the faith of a woman who was going to be steadfast in her walk and put action behind her faith. And church, if we don't know Christ as the Savior of our life, then we need to get to know him today. Um, I'm going to invite also uh, to come to the front. If you're a part of the intercessor team, the prayer team, or if you're a leader, or leader of a home group, can you please come to forward? We're going to open up the altar this morning. If you're a leader, if you're a part of the intercessor team, just come forward. We want to be ready to pray. And church, we talked about the ark being a type of Christ. We talked about the, the instantaneously that Jesus could call us in a moment, right? We need to have that godly reverence to put him first. So if there is anybody in this audience who has never, ever received the good news, what's the good news? The good news is 2,000 years ago, a man came down, humbled himself, that's God, became as Jesus Christ. He lived a life that we could never live, died a death that was destined for us, took our sins on the cross, and he died. But the good news is that he rose again, therefore proving that he is Messiah, proving that he is God, and that we can put our faith and hope in him. That's the ark. That's the ark of safety. And if you have never heard that message before, before you leave here this morning, you need to pray with one of these individuals up here. And you need to know, without a doubt, are saved, covered by the blood of Jesus, that your past, present, and future sins are under the blood, and that you're finding refuge in the ark. That's one group. Second group, I want us to put action behind our faith. We need to put action behind our faith. We don't need to say, I'm saved, I'm good, get a warm spot in the chair and plop our butts down, guys. Look, there's open seats, guys. That means there's open seat for your neighbor to come into the ark. There's open seat for your wayward daughter and son to come into the ark. There's open seats for your parents to come into the ark. There's room. So if you are struggling with the spirit of timidity, we're going to break that chain right now. And we're going to put action behind the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. So two things. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, is your art. Come to the front. Number two, if you're struggling with the spirit of timidity, I need you to come to the front and I need you to get prayer before we leave this morning. Amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to go ahead and, and pray, but the altar is open, guys. Mighty God, you are so awesome. You are so awesome. We thank you, God, that you afford grace that by the finished work at Calvary, you've called it done, that we don't have to work, but God, we're putting our faith and hope in you that when the floodwaters rise in our lives, that when circumstances come, that God, that we have faith in you. God, we're, we're asking that, that when the world mocks us and our family mocks us, God, that we can have faith in you. So God, by your Holy Spirit, would you cause us to reflect on your message from Noah, 
Would it cause us to be hungry for you? God, break the spirit of timidity in our lives. In Jesus' name.